Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization with a mission to mobilize the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Last year, their Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, or VITA program, helped 1,400 households file their taxes for free. This year, the expanded child tax credit is available to Chautauqua County households with children, even if they don't normally file taxes or have a recent income. Nearly every parent or caregiver of a child with a Social Security number can receive up to $3,600 per child, and it's not too late. Learn more at getctc.org chq. It only takes about 15 minutes online to claim the child tax credit and learn about eligibility. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or unitedwaync.org. You are listening to Community Matters. The city of Jamestown recently unveiled its 78th historic marker at the site of the former Winter Garden Theater. City historian Ashley Sensky shares the history of that site here. Imagine that the date is Christmas Eve, 1913, and it's the first night that the new Winter Garden Theater in the city is open. They're showing Beauty Unadorned for 10 cents a ticket. You attend the grand opening and head to this site here on North Main Street, where you are greeted with a grand facade and a marquee 12 feet high in the air. Greeting you at the top of the steps of the entrance are six pairs of folding doors. Your first steps through the entrance take you into the lobby, finished in green oak with ivory furnishings and chandeliers hanging from the ceiling. Heading toward the ticketing counter to pick up your tickets, you quickly realize that they're using a machine you've never seen used before. Instead of the ticket seller handing you your tickets, they push a button and the ticket is cut off and shoved out on the shelf in front of you. The first ever sort of ticket vending machine used in the area. While walking to your seat, you recognize that the upstairs gallery is fully carpeted and furnished with wicker chairs where others are freely smoking in comfort. Overlooking the balcony seating area, you notice below how expansive the entire space is with its 900 cushioned leather seats and orchestra pit, and how the walls are adorned with lit up ivory statues. But what is probably one of the most important features you take note of is a panic roof door for each of the exits, a door which cannot be locked, but that opens with a simple push from the inside, a perfect safety feature beyond the fact that the entire building was constructed to be fully fireproof as well. Sounds pretty wonderful for the 20th century version of you, doesn't it? The fireproofing features of this building were especially important to highlight for the people of Jamestown because only three years before this night, this specific city block witnessed and endured the 1910 Gokey Fire that was so catastrophic that it prompted the creation of the paid fire department. So characterizing something as fireproof and safe was very important in this particular time of the city's history with anything new being built. The Winter Garden Theater was originally owned and operated by the Mozart Amusement Company with the chief stakeholders being Michael W. Peterson and Michael W. Woods, both of Jamestown. At the time of its $60,000 construction, it was considered a luxury theater. So they could charge the outrageous price of 10 cents a seat and 25 cents for reserved seating. They also had an eight-piece orchestra led by Raymond Eldred, which played frequently for theatergoers. The theater changed hands multiple times in its history, with Southwestern New York Theaters Corporation taking over in 1926. 
which at the time of this transaction, it was considered the largest real estate transaction to ever be made in the city of Jamestown. Soon after this change in ownership, the local theater's owners and managers got together for the first time ever and decided that in order to eliminate conflict between them and to provide a greater variety of theater amusements for Jamestown, they all needed to work together. So Shays, the Palace, and the Winter Garden divided up which theater would hold certain performances and decided that the more costly and elaborate first-run pictures featuring outstanding stars will continue at the Winter Garden Theater as it had the ability to show Vitaphone attractions. Vitaphone systems allowed theatergoers to witness synchronized dialogue sequences in the films they were watching, a novelty at the time. Although there are debates on which motion picture was the first talkie, whether the Jazz Singer or Lights of New York, what's really important is that it was the Winter Garden that premiered both for the first time to residents of Jamestown, the only theater at the time showing these new and exciting talkies. On February 4th, 1928, the Jazz Singer was screened to test its appeal before the formal opening the following day. An ad appeared later in the Evening Journal quoting some of the leading citizens of Jamestown on their thoughts of this must-see motion picture, with several people commenting on the great triumph achieved with this new technology to be able to hear the actors in their own words. Some were even brought to tears. Later this same year, on October 5th, it was announced that a select handful of lucky people were going to be able to see the first ever talkie to play here in the city, and we're coming up on the 94th anniversary of the occasion. It was an advanced showing of Lights of New York, a very unique and one-of-a-kind moment for those lucky enough to have been in attendance, highlighting the theater's prominence in the community as it ushered in this new era of the talkie. The Winter Garden Theater quickly became so much more than a source of entertainment for the local community. The owners and managers often looked to give back to the area by holding local drives and fundraisers, such as a March of Dimes fundraiser they held, where the money was going toward the prevention of infantile paralysis. And they also supported the county's cerebral palsy clinic in buying a new vehicle to transport children to appointments in the 60s. The theater was also used as an event space of sorts for social clubs and veterans groups, particularly as a memorial service space for the American Legion for Armistice Day, in which the Legion used the space to recognize their fallen brothers year after year, starting back in the 1920s following World War I. The theater also did its part during World War II, like many local businesses had. They participated in raising money for war bonds, and in the summer of 1945, manager Esther Beckman featured special performances at the theater, including a prestigious concert performed by the Infantry Concert Group. 22 players from across the Army ground forces, whom all previously performed with prominent orchestras. They allowed free admission to the concert with a purchase of $25 in bonds, resulting in $101,000 raised from just this one local community event hosted by the theater. The theater had been used in educational ways as well, like when it was the host site for safety weeks that were observed in the early 20th century to help keep students and children safe while walking around Jamestown as the use of automobiles increased. The Public Safety Council brought in automobile racer and former Jamestown resident, Captain Art B. Hickox, to lead the Safety Week program, which showed film reels of street accidents in Jamestown and vicinity and stressed the need for care and caution in the home, factory, and in the streets to prevent accidents. When presenting at the theater, Art liked to use slogans to drive his point home. No pun intended. Do you run a motor car or a movable madhouse? And one of my favorites, better to stop at crossings than at a graveyard. <coughs> 
As the theater evolved in its mission within the community over the decades, it also experienced moments of physical change as well. Although built to be fireproof, there were at least two different times in its history that fires broke out and caused enough significant damage that the theater needed to be closed for a time and underwent construction, once in 1920 and another time in the late 1960s. The 1969 fire was so destructive that repairs to the building were assessed at nearly $54,000. Thankfully, the Winter Garden always bounced back, and by 1976, only two theaters still existed, the Palace and the Winter Garden with ticket prices around $2. Moviegoers at this time and through the 80s could enjoy perks like the advanced soda machines of the theater's concessions, a machine that had Coke, orange, and Sprite, of course a popcorn machine, all sorts of different candies, and even an ice cream machine. The 1990s is when the theater came up for sale for its final time and was the lone full-time movie house in Jamestown. At this point, it was owned by Dipson Theaters and had a capacity of over 1,000 people. They were asking for about $150,000. Although the theater had been a fixture of downtown entertainment at this point for over 80 years, it unfortunately went dark only a few years later and was no longer open to the public. Nearly 18 years later in 2008, there were developments to try and salvage the vacant theater by the downtown Jamestown Development Corporation. There were some ideas being thrown around on what to do with the building, such as maintaining the interior as a modern big screen theater, but at this time, it was estimated that $2.3 million were needed to renovate. Ultimately, plans were proposed for the theater's demolition. This was the first step in these plans with a proposal for a site redevelopment as a phase two. Redevelopment included restoration of Mechanics Alley, as well as the creation of a public courtyard. The courtyard we find ourselves in today. The DJDC, along with others, decided turning it into a public plaza would be a better solution before the building became too hazardous as the cost to renovate was skyrocketing. On April 17, 2010, the building was raised, ending the Winter Garden's legacy as the last movie theater in the city of Jamestown and the social pillar it had become over 80 years. I don't want to necessarily end this dedication discussing the building's ultimate demolition. I'd much rather end it by sharing anecdotes of the theater that have been shared with me from members of our community. Because these stories highlight the fact that despite the physical building being gone, the theater was and still is impactful and significant to the city's history. Charlie Kratz shares, shared his experience as an usher at the theater in 1967 and how he had to wear a coat and tie armed with a flashlight to guide guests to their seats. He shared about the 25 pound bags of popcorn that were stored behind the screen and how ushers were responsible for grabbing more bags when more popcorn was needed for shows. And how changing the marquee in the winter was the worst part of his job, especially with sloped sidewalks, to which he noted OSHA had not yet been established. <laughs> I received similar stories from Bob Stewart, who was an enormous help on this project, saying that during his time as an usher and concession worker in the 80s, that he was the only fool to climb the south side of the marquee in the winter, all because he could reach the bottom three lines. <laughs> Many people shared some of the movies they were called seeing in this theater, such as Temple of Doom, Rocky, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, E.T., Blazing Saddles, Mary Poppins, Pillow Talk, and Grease, just to name a few. Another person shared that as a child when going to see Pete's Dragon, she remembered feeling as if she was someplace magical when seated in the theater. Rory Polero reminisced on his grandmother taking him and his cousin to see a Woody Woodpecker cartoon marathon and that every kid got a Woody pencil box full of supplies and that grandma may or may not have snuck snacks into the movie via her crochet bag. 
Another anecdote I frequently received was just how long the lines would get, sometimes wrapping all the way around to the cherry lounge. And one of my personal favorite stories came from two different perspectives of the same event. Mike Polero shared a memory of being at the theater on Halloween and that monsters came out of the bathrooms and from behind the screen and how the audience members were genuinely scared and started throwing candy at them and that four of Mike's buddies were running from and after the monsters while the rest of the audience cheered them on. Nelson Griffey then also shared that as an employee at the theater, they would run special promotions around holidays like Halloween. And one year, they were featuring classic black and white monster movies, claiming that the experience would be so terrifying that actual monsters would emerge from the screen. And Nelson volunteered to be one of the monsters. They were given rubber masks and instructed to emerge from behind the screen on cue and walk up the aisles to the lobby. They anticipated maybe that the worst would happen is that they'd evoke laughter, but instead they were pelted with candy from every direction. A big part of the moviegoing experience is partaking in the communal ritual that it provides to moviegoers. And I think these last few years have shown many of us just how much they meant to us when we couldn't actually go to one any longer. Much like going to church or a concert, movie theaters allow us to have memorable, emotional moments while sharing a public space with strangers. And the Winter Garden provided that experience and so much more to the citizens of Jamestown for nearly 100 years. So I'm delighted to have been able to honor it with all of you here today and highlight the importance theaters bring to our lives. Thank you.